Aloha, my name is Nohea Brazil, and I am the president of Native Stories. We have on our Indigenous Mathematicians podcast, Corey Chewy, who is Cree, Métis, Polish, uh, and was born in Treaty 8 by the banks of the Peace River. She is the manager of Indigenous Engagement at the Spark Science Center, uh, focusing on bringing together multiple ways of knowing science. Corey is on an ongoing journey to reconnect with and learn from the knowings of the land, as well as helping others connect with the complexities of these knowings alongside Western science. Her PhD is in story mathematics mathematics and through her research she has worked with children and tree seven, seven elders to explore the mathematics within indigenous stories welcome Corey. thank you so much for having me here my first question because as reading this i'm i'm not sure what treaty seven and treaty eight is can you give us some background on what Absol- that is absolutely yeah it's a good question uh here in canada uh there's some different not all of Canada, but there are different treaties that were signed across Canada between uh, local Indigenous communities and uh, the settlers that came. Um, often uh, those were not signed within the best of intentions, as we may know, um, but it allows for us to understand um, the original uh, caretakers, we say, of the lands. Basically, it sounds like it was a treaty one, two, three, four, five, six. And ongoing. Yeah. It's like an amendment to a contract. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, for like the where you're from, I see. Okay. Yeah. Treaty 7 is in southern Alberta. Southern Alberta. Um, so uh, on our uh, Indigenous Mathematicians podcast, we always ask these six questions. So we'll jump right into them. Um, who are the ancestors that you are grateful for? I love this question. Um, so I'd like to first acknowledge uh, my Cree Métis ancestors on my mother's side. Uh, they're part of the Jobin family. Um, and it's all these, it's really interesting, a lot of the relatives that I have on that side uh, were message carriers between communities um, and, you know, taking, sharing different stories and, and you know, mm. messages between, you know, Métis and Cree and settler communities uh, during or during wars or battles or whatnot, which is kind of interesting. And I kind of see myself doing that, connecting different ways of knowing, being and doing science, so, which is kind of mm-hmm. cool. Um, mm-hmm. And I'd also like to, I think that we often think of ancestors as you know, our relatives or humans, but I also think of ancestors as, you know, the trees, the animals and what's around us. And, and you know, I'm grateful for some of the uh, plant ancestors here on these lands, the spruce and the cottonwood ancestors that have gifted me uh, different medicines to help myself and to help communities. So, yeah, those mm. are the ancestors that, that I'm grateful for. Awesome. Thank you for sharing. Going to the next question, how did you get into math? What did your journey look like? What inspired you and why? And just kind of like, yeah, why why math? Why math? Absolutely. Uh, I never connected with math in school. I I think I failed Mm -hmm. math at least once in high school. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely didn't do anything in my undergrad, uh, unless I had to with math. Um, But then I was... Uh, somehow, long story short, ended up at doing my master's in England and was trying to figure out a specialization to do. And I came across this uh, body tally counting system, like a number system um, out of Papua New Guinea. 
And I don't know if you've ever mm. seen this. You can Google it. It's mm. very cool. Um, and it's you know, like Papua New Guinea, there's hundreds of languages. And I found out there's hundreds as well as counting systems and different communities count on their entire body from not just their fingers, but their head, their eyes, their body, and all, some of them all parts of you, know what I'm saying. Um, but it, it really made me think about and question how I learned math in school. Um, like back when I was in school, mm. you weren't allowed to count on your fingers. Like I guess you're allowed to now, which is cool. But I learned. Can to I ask you what did you? What was your bachelor's in? Oh, because you were gonna go. Up that was a long time ago. Uh, it was like <laughs> Greek and Roman history okay. or something. I definitely didn't use. Nothing yeah. close to math. Okay. No, not really. like sociology. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I think I had to take a stats class yeah. or something. <laughs> okay. Okay. So no math. The opposite. I tried. Seemingly. <laughs> um, but yeah, looking at this uh, this body tally counting system and how learning that these different communities um, connected numbers with their body. And, you know, as each community had a different number system, it became you're translating between different bases. Uh, but you're also connecting with, you know, people on a more experiential human level. And then the more I thought about it, the more, you know, if there's always a number connected, say, to your belly button, then there's going to be a story attached to that. So like that number would always have a connection, say, with your mother, say, a, a matrilineal line mm -hmm. would have a significance. And and was thinking, how how much different would my life be if I learned math and learned numbers, more specifically, in a way that was relational, that was community-based, that wasn't abstract. Um, and then I just, yeah, it, that, was, that was my master's. And then I'm like, well, I got to continue this so I did my PhD and and started to ask the questions of you know what if if this is happening in Papua New Guinea obviously it's going to be everywhere and therefore what worldviews what perspectives and ways of doing mathematics are missing or are suppressed let's be honest and what does this mean and I thought how can I you know reconnect with these more human or cultural land-based story-based uh, aspects of mathematics so so then I yeah, ended up doing my, my PhD um, as I thought I had to you know, obviously come back to the lands that I'm more connected to and and uh, connect with the stories and the elders and the communities here and the mathematics and the depth of mathematics within um, these stories. Reconnecting the math part to your culture. Mm -hmm. um, what did you discover it's so many things it's for me it was interesting to look at like first of all like where this came from where was that you know, I, the more we mm. think about it math is from the land understanding math and science everything is from how did communities and humans thousands and thousands of years ago thrive and survive on the lands was mm -hmm. was through mathematics through science through understanding and preparing for this the natural laws and the cycles of of the land in connection to you know the cosmos and you know sp like seasons and whatnot and mm -hmm. really thinking about how um how that came to be like kind of going back first of all even to like the doctrine of discovery and how I can, I'll get into this and then I'll, I'll tell you some examples, but 
um, I think it's it's important to think about where this came about and how you know the doctrine of discovery in 1493, this papal bull that said justified you know colonization of of Turtle Island really, where it was justified the claim the search for lands, riches, knowledge, and and all of that, and saying this aspect of connecting this aspect of, or terra nullius to these lands, saying it's empty. Uh, it's it's yours for taking, pretty much, and and if you know there happens to be humans there, you know they're not Catholic, then you're you're justified in both that domination over the land, so developing that land, mining that land for resources, as well as the dehumanization of of the humans that were there that um, were maybe not defined or uh, identified as being Catholic, and therefore converting those humans, but. Um, from from these explorations, if you may say, from these uh, certain communities from around the world, um, <clears throat> started to bring these knowledges back. And to do that, you have to standardize. Uh, well, first appropriate the knowledge, and then bring it back to in standard in that process. Have to standardize it. Have to uh, generalize it, categorize it, and therefore disconnect that knowledge from those lands and those peoples that it was from. And it became, as we see in in know and experience mathematics and science now, it becomes this, what is animate, what is inanimate, and what is a natural world, what is an unnatural world, and kind of allowing and legitimizing that disconnect of humans with the land, disconnect with the land and the, all those ancestors I mentioned before of the trees and the, and the, the grass and the, the rocks as no longer our ancestors and therefore our relations. But when you say that they're inanimate, as was said um, from uh, this process, was that it's easier than to control, to develop on, to extract resources. And unfortunately, that's kind of how mathematics, how science has justified and, and legitimized how you know, the processes and methods of, of the, a singular process and method is being correct of doing mathematics and sciences. So as I learned more about that, I began to think about what are the, going back to what are the origins and like those creation stories and connections to uh, the math and the science within the stories of these lands. You know, looking at how the muskrat um, can show us how cold or how mild a winter is going to be, uh, depending on how or where they build their den on the uh, on the river. And that was a story told to me by uh, Hal Eagletail from Sutina Nation. And it's a it's a form of measurement and relationality. We're not getting out a ruler to to measure. So it's one of like the many stories and um, of you know the depth of math and how it's not standardized. How it's very much relational. And I know you've done um, some podcasts and and work with uh, you know Polynesian navigation. And I mean, that's, there's a lot of there's a lot of math in that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. But the next generation, you know, those that are come from where you originally came from, which is not so, uh, so confident in their skills. Um, how did you kind of, you know, overcome that? Was it just your passion for what you were learning at the time? It's interesting because I, I was just thinking about this yesterday, actually. And because I have these, I call them my serial killer notebooks. And I don't mean, 
that's a seven <laughs> reference. You know, you know, like the notebook that all serial killers use. <laughs> uh, but I have a stack of those that I used, not for murdering or anything, but for my notes for my PhD. Uh, sorry. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I should look back on those and see, you know, how, yeah. what was I thinking many, right. many years ago? And because I also, I, I, I knew I had to pursue this, but I didn't know why. I didn't have, mm-hmm. I, I didn't understand it. I, I'm just doing this. I don't get it. You know, I, I'm on my own journey to reconnect with my culture in these lands. And, and especially at the time where I started doing my PhD, that was very, very limited. But it was interesting looking back at these, these notes and how I had a lot of questions and but it, but it was never like, oh wow, why did I write that? Oh, that was because a lot of these are my my personal thoughts and notes. And but there was nothing completely out there. But it was like, this is interesting. Think about this. Follow this. So there was always someone, and I say definitely my ancestors were guiding me on doing this work, having to do this work. But I never really had a okay. This is what I'm doing. It never started at a young age. Right. Yeah, it was just okay. Got I got to figure out how to do this and kind of figured that out right yeah I have a question and I'm gonna find the answer (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah. however way that becomes yeah yeah that process takes place whatever that looks like I don't know yeah awesome so my next question is what is you know culture responsive teaching and what have you found in that research yeah yeah, and I should say I don't consider myself a mathematician by any means. Uh, I don't have mm-hmm. that background, um, and I do get to teach. I get to teach on the side, and that's kind of my my fun gig on the side. Um, but I, like with my research and and with the classes I teach, I created an Indigenous Science class uh, at the University of Calgary, which I get to teach again next year, which is exciting. Um, but I think it's I think there's a couple things I want to say about this is. It's especially from my research and from working with with kids and youth and elders, it is so beautiful to see uh, someone that has completely disconnected from math and from science, either because they don't see themselves in it or because they've been told they can't do it or, you know, there's so many background, you know, precursors to not being connected to math or science, but to first see someone that may look like them teaching math or seeing themselves and their culture within math and science is so important to to bring about a story that they heard growing up um, with with characters and and people and and morals that they heard growing up and to kind of delve into the math and science of that is a beautiful thing to see so i think that representation and inclusivity is so important and for teachers to you know open it up for for students to bring themselves uh into you know into the classroom is so important to not you know check your culture at the door uh, and check who you are before you go in there i think is really important um and I think understanding uh, that there are there's not just a singular way of doing math and doing science because that universal, reductive, standardized, I guess, culturally free or seemingly neutral, which I, I often come across, unfortunately, um, way of doing mathematics uh, is so harmful. Um, and 
like I said, I think students bringing themselves as humans and bringing their culture in the classroom is so important. Um, and with my, uh, with my research, I created a, a pedagogy or a methodology called uh, the Sweetgrass Braid. And I created this with uh, uh, Elder Casey Eaglespeaker from Guyana Nation. And it's based on the sweetgrass, uh, the sweetgrass braid, which is a, a medicine here. And you braid um, seven, like each of the three braids represents, um, is braided with three, seven different strands within each braid. So there's 27 strands braided together. And if you take just one piece of grass itself, just alone, it's very weak, right? Just like, like one way of knowing or doing mm -hmm. mathematics or one person is weak, but as you braid it together, it becomes stronger together, creates a community. So I say uh, within that pedagogy, there's three ways that I see as um, doing mathematics and, and doing math and science within a more holistic relational way is um, really bringing into, um, into the math classroom uh, the land and the ancestors from those places and those indigenous ways of knowing uh, from that specific land and those teachings, bringing those in and then bringing yourself in wherever you are from. Um, however, your history and, and your experience with math and, and yourself as you know a human with multiple senses, how do you experience math? And then, you know, weaving in that global as... Uh, I know uh, uh, Ed Doolittle says, I, I love his term global, uh, global mathematics or global science as opposed to Western or Eurocentric science. So mm -hmm. credit, credit Ed with that one. Um, but it, <laughs> like, looking at, um, it's, it's a, it, obviously it's a very valid um, way of doing mathematics, but it's not the only way. So those three ways um, of knowing, being, and doing math together, supporting one another, still retaining integrity and creating that strength in that community. So I think that within itself allows for a more culturally um, responsive classroom because you're not just connecting with those mathematical stories from the land, uh, but also with yourself and your experiences your, and your, your, your own culture, whatever that may be, as well as with um, that uh, global right. mathematics. Yeah. Mindset. Yeah, that makes sense. So um, speaking of that, those classes, um, are there any projects that you want to keep us in the loop about? And are those classes online or you in person or how does that work if somebody wanted to learn more? Yeah, they are in person, unfortunately. <laughs> I do. Uh, I, I I get the online thing, but you know, I do a lot of um, on the land learning, and and uh, yeah. so we're we're, we're keeping it um, okay. in person for now. Uh, there's also some ceremony involved, um, so mm. those are all online. Um, and but I think I love having these conversations, like any kind of project to continue these conversations to open the minds and the hearts of people to understanding math and science that is relational, that's personal, that's cultural and spiritual, I think is really important. And the work that I get to do in schools and communities is, is awesome. Um, and, you know, the work that I do as well um, at the Telespark Science Center in Calgary, uh, I get to not just teach the stuff but actually build exhibits and experiences that bring about indigenous science and math uh which is is very cool it's a very unique uh thing that i get to do and i like how it 
allows, especially science centers, you know, let's be honest, they're quite colonial. Um, so it's a, mm-hmm. it's a place where many people don't see themselves or you don't see themselves welcome. So for me, it's how can I bring in uh, Indigenous people to see the depth of, again, science within their culture, but also everybody. I think everybody needs to understand how complex um, these ways of knowing are. And and I work with, get to work with a lot of elders, knowledge keepers, and it is their voices and their perspectives that um, are kind of, are the focus of that work. And, and yeah, I'm excited about, I have a new podcast called Ancestral Science. So get to have these conversations on a regular basis and amplify these voices and, and like I mentioned, better understand those, the, the knowings and the teachings from the ancestors, from the human ancestors to the animals and the stars and the tree ancestors. And, um, we get to, and you also have a, a website. Yes. Slowly working on the website. Circle. Yeah. Relational okay. science circle. Uh, I call it relational science cause it's how do we, how is everything's related? Everything's, um, uh, related in the circle and we can all learn from one another so that's in development so stay tuned for that but there's a lot of resources and and different events and whatnot that will be posted on that ah, okay thank you and so do we um as we close out uh is there any advice you'd like to leave for aspiring mathematicians or those that are still maybe scared give me advice Hmm. Don't be afraid to ask questions. Like I often, um, there's often a sense of you know processes or methods or whatnot, uh, practices are seemingly set in stone. They can't be changed. We have to work around it. But I ask, don't be like ask questions. You know, it's how can the what you're doing or as you know with mathematics with with anything you know we are often in working within more colonial institutions and and asking questions on how can different processes be changed or be altered so that they're more inclusive so they're they follow protocols of respect and reciprocity from honorary practices to you know uh, on the land learning practices or looking at uh, more uh, subjective or relational methods of research Um, and you know as I think especially with uh, people that are indigenous and it's 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 hard it's it's a difficult place to be um in uh doing this work either in institution or you know within a subject that's seemingly very uh uh, colonial um make sure that you have support find out you know find community find people that um can can help with that those difficult conversations and take care of yourself and your spirit and and to find your own gifts and knowledge and and follow your gut. I think those those your ancestors are always guiding you and to, to listen to that. I think that's really important. Thank you so much, Corey, for sharing. Thank you again so much for joining us. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. Hi hi. <laughs> <laughs>